What's up, y'all? In this episode, we're going to continue with the reading section, and today we're going to go over a passage together. So to get started, if you haven't already, go ahead and go to the blog and the useful links page and open up the 2018 test. If you open that up and scroll down to page 34, we're going to be looking at the social science passage from the reading test. And just for your background, on the reading section, you can sort of break it up into two halves. The first half has the prose, fiction, and humanities passages. And those sort of go together. They tend to be a little more story-oriented and often have questions that probe more literary themes rather than concrete details. And then the second and fourth passages, the social science and the natural science, those passages tend to be more about concrete details and about understanding more factual writing. So today we're going to talk about the social science passage, which will help you understand the natural science passage as well. So once you've got that test opened up, you'll notice that this passage has a passage A and a passage B. And you'll sometimes see this format on the ACT. So this doesn't show up on every single test, but it shows up on maybe third to a half of ACT reading sections. And basically what you have going on here is you'll have two passages that are about a similar topic. And they'll treat the topic somewhat differently or give different perspectives on a certain issue. But they're distinct passages written by different authors, sometimes from very different time periods. So one thing to note about these two passage passages is that they generally have questions about passage A, questions about passage B, and questions about both. And often they're marked. On this test, they aren't marked. Like a lot of tests will have a box above question 11 that says something like questions 11 through 13 are about passage A, and then another box Later in the passage, it'll say, like, questions 14 through 16 are about passage B. And then another box that said questions blank through blank are about both passages. So that doesn't show up here, but there's still a similar thing going on. So if we look at questions 11 through 13, each one of those references passage A, but doesn't mention passage B at all. So it's a fairly safe assumption that those are only about passage A. And then a similar thing on questions 14 through 17 each of those mentions passage B, but doesn't mention passage A. And then 18 through 20 mention both passages. So what you want to do as you're going through this passage is you want to start by reading passage A and then going through the questions that only talk about passage A. And in this case, that would be 11 through 13. Then you would read passage B and answer the questions only about passage B, which would be 14 through 17. And then after that, you'd answer the rest of the questions. And the reason this is helpful is it prevents you from confusing events from one passage in another. So after you've read passage A, you can answer the questions about passage A without having any of what passage B tells you be confused and mixed into those answers. So this works really well, especially when the questions are marked, like I mentioned earlier. But you can still do it in this case. You just have to spend a little bit of time checking out the questions to determine which ones are about which passage. And just a side note, if a question doesn't ever mention passage B, for example, it's generally safe to assume that the answer is only in passage A. But if you find yourself getting stuck and feeling like there's some information you're lacking, there's a small chance that there is some bit of information in passage B that might be useful. They won't be asking you about specific details from passage B, but maybe in passage B it explains a certain term or gives some background information that might be helpful in answering one of those questions that seems like it's just about passage A. So with all that explained, let's get started. 
So for this episode, I'm just going to assume that everyone wants to do the strategy where you read first and then answer the questions later, like I talked about in my last episode. So right now, I want you to just take a second and read through passage A, and then we'll talk about the questions that have to do with passage A. So now that you've read passage A, let's look at the questions that have to do with that one. So we're just going to start at number 11 and work our way through. So number 11 says, the author's use of the words and phrases, thickets stretching in every direction and extensive forests in passage A most nearly serves to emphasize which of the following points. Then we have our four different answers. So something that I find useful on reading questions is to just start the question by just reading through each answer and seeing if one pops out to me as right. So if you look at A, it says the Tian Shan Mountains are a challenge to navigate. B, the apple varieties of Kazakhstan would be difficult for botanists to catalog. C, the diversity of plant species in Kazakhstan is crucially important. And D, the magnitude of wild apples in Kazakhstan is stunning. So something you'll probably find is that as you look through the answers, it's often easy to eliminate one or two pretty early. So for example, A is something I'm not going to pick. It doesn't talk a lot about the navigational issues he faced as he tried to find this apple haven. So I'm going to rule out A, and I can also rule out B. It doesn't talk much about how difficult it would be to categorize each of those things. But C and D both seem like they could be good answers. It talks a lot about the different types of apples you have, it talks about the different diversity, and that seems to be a focus of that first paragraph. And this is a pattern you'll find in a lot of ACT reading questions, that it's pretty easy to eliminate two answers and call two answers wrong, but then there's often two that both seem right, and it's tricky to figure out which one of those is the right answer. And in this case, I'm going to go with D. If you look at the language in the first paragraph, it talks a lot about incredible diversity, Vavilov being amazed by what he saw, and discovering this beautiful, colorful apple forest. And this seems to suggest that more than being a crucially important hub of diversity, it was just stunning to this explorer as he discovered these different apples. So D is the correct answer for number, number 11. So we'll continue on to number 12. 12 says, the author of passage A most likely states that the wild apples growing in the Tian Shan looked like apples found at the local grocery store to support the point that... So one thing you might find, as I'm finding right now, is sometimes you have to read a question twice to really understand it. In the science episodes, I talked about how a lot of the time you have to spend multiple runs through a question on the science passages to understand what the question is asking. With reading that's less intense, you can usually understand the question with just two read-throughs, but don't be afraid to read it twice if you feel like you need to. So again, first thing I would do looking through a reading question is to look through each of the answers and see if I can say any of those don't seem to make sense. So F says, many of the apples stocked in grocery stores are harvested in the Tian Shan. If I read through the passage and just think about what I've read, it doesn't seem to be talking about specifically that Kazakhstan here is exporting tons of apples to the world. It seems more that we've found the ancestors of apples. So I'm not going to choose F based on that. If I look at G, it says in the Tian Shan, Vavilov had likely found the wild ancestors of the domesticated apple. That one seems pretty good and matches with what I have read in the passage and what I just described it as. H, the wild apples growing in the Tian Shan are among the most popular varieties with consumers. Again, we don't see that these Kazakhstan apples are being exported or super popular, but more that they seem to be where apples originated. And then Jay and the Tian Shan Vavilov had found new apple varieties to introduce to food producers. We don't see any evidence in the passage that Vavilov had any relationships with apple producers or distributors. 
So I'm going to choose G as the correct answer. And then the last one here, 13, is the last question that's only about passage A. So I'm going to answer that one, and then we'll go into passage B. 13 says, passage A makes which of the following claims about plant species found in Kazakhstan? This question here is one of the ACC's classic attempts to just confuse you with details. So A, B, C, and D are all taking details from the passage, specifically numerical details. So we have either 157 species or like this 90% idea that shows up in B and C. So they're taking these two numbers, which both come from the passage, and they're putting them in different formats to try to confuse you about which one is the right one. And this happens fairly often. And really the only way to sift through this is to go back to the passage, find the part that talks about 157 species, or the part that talks about 90% of something, and see what they're actually talking about. So if I go back in the passage, line 33 says at least 157 other plant species found in Kazakhstan are either direct precursors or close wild relatives of domesticated crops. 157 plant species in Kazakhstan are basically ancestors or relatives to domestic crops. And then that sentence continues, including 90% of all cultivated temperate fruits. So it sounds like Kazakhstan has 157 plants that are ancestors or cousins of domesticated crops, and that includes 90% of temperate fruits. So now that I've read that, I'm going to go back and look through these answers and see which one matches what I've just found. So A is flipping that. It's getting the cultivated temperate fruits with the 157, but that one was going with the 90%. B is sort of mixing and matching the order here as well. It says 90% of domestic crops or ancestors or wild relatives of Kazakhstan plants, but that was the 157 number. C, again, is taking the 90% and saying all 90% of Kazakhstan things are apples. And then D is the correct answer. It says, aside from apples, at least 157 plant species found in Kazakhstan are either direct precursors or close wild relatives of domesticated crops. So that's the correct answer, and it's saying what was said in the passage. So this is a pretty common strategy with the ACT, and one you want to watch out for. They love to take certain details from the passage, but turn them into answers that don't correctly answer the question which is what's happening on A, B, C here. So A, B, and C are all taking pieces of the passage that are correct, but they're putting them together in such a way that's no longer correct, and it's not giving the right answer to the question. So something you want to be wary of as you're going through these reading sections is be really careful about choosing an answer just because you've seen it in the passage, because the ACT will often take things from the passage and make them into false answers. So be wary of that. I would estimate that slightly over half the time you see something directly pulled from the passage, either a word or a phrase that's directly pulled from the passage and put into an answer. I would say a little bit over half the time that answer is false. So now we finish with passage A. So now we're going to pause for a second and read through passage B. So go ahead and read that, and then we will continue on with the next questions. So now that you've read through passage B, let's take a look at these questions. So number 14 says, Passage B most strongly suggests that Vavilov was motivated to become an agricultural scientist primarily because he... And then we have these four different answers. He either wanted to have one of his findings published, and to work with a famous botanist, wished to remedy a personal financial crisis, or hoped to help feed others. So this is a classic example of a question where they're asking you about a certain detail that you just have to go back and find. So a really useful skill for the reading section is being able to skim. So after you've read a question, 
and read through the answer choices, you want to skim around to find where you think that might be. If you don't feel comfortable skimming, I would highly recommend taking some time to work on it. You don't have to take a speed reading course or anything, but being able to skim over a passage and find certain details is really valuable, and it's going to do you a lot of favors here on this reading section. So what we're looking for right now is what motivated Vavilov. And if we skim around, the first paragraph basically says that he was a great explorer. The second paragraph talks about all these food shortages that Vavilov went through. And at the very end, it mentions that he hopes to help Russian families from suffering from hunger. So that tells us the answer is J. He hoped to feed others with his work. Let's move on to 15. It says the author of Passage B uses the phrase whittle away to refer to the way that apple varieties have been. So this is nice. They tell us that whittle away is in line 80. So if we go look there, it says, and whittle away we have done. And then it goes on to say how there used to be tons of apple varieties, but we've shrunk that down to just a few. So one thing you want to watch out for is anytime they tell you to look at just a specific line in the passage, make sure you read the context. Make sure you read a few sentences after, a few sentences before, because these quotes they give you, they never make sense unless you've read something around it. So, like we did just barely, as you read that whittle away phrase, you'll if you keep reading, you'll see it's talking about losing apple varieties from grocery stores. And that goes great with answer A here which is that apple varieties have been gradually lost from nursery catalogs, farmer's markets, and the American table. So people aren't eating these other apple varieties as much, just a few favorites have been cultivated, and the rest have been sort of lost to farming. So let's move on to question 16, which says, As it is used in lines 82 to 83, the phrase named and nurtured most nearly means... So similar thing here, it's telling us to look at a specific line, but remember, context always matters. So this sentence mentions that over 16,000 apple varieties have been named and nurtured in the last four centuries. And we've already looked at this paragraph a little bit for question 15, so we have some of the context here. And if we look at these different answer choices, they're each giving slightly different meanings behind these two words, named and nurtured. And the right answer here is G, identified and cultivated. And the critical part here is, I would say, the cultivated. In that last paragraph, it talks about how we've stopped cultivating certain types of apples and they don't show up much. And so this named and nurtured idea has to do with the idea that we've identified, we've named a certain apple species, and it's been nurtured, it's been cultivated to bring to the table. So moving on to question 17, it says in passage B, it can most reasonably be inferred from the third paragraph that centers of crop diversity become crucially important when... So the third paragraph talks about these centers of crop diversity, and if you need to go back and reread, that's fine. But it's essentially saying that these areas where there's tons of different kinds of plants can be helpful when we're losing out on certain plant species, whether that be to famine, whether it be to bug invasions or something. These centers of crop diversity are valuable in times of shock to the food system. And going back to that paragraph, it specifically mentions plant breeders, pathologists, and entomologists return to these places every time the food store is at a breaking point. So if you look at these different answer choices, A says plant breeders would like to learn more about the plant species of Central Asia. B, problems with the cultivated crop require experts to research a new variety of the crop. C, consumers would like more variety in grocery produce departments. D, disputes among plant breeders, pathologists, and entomologists lead to a reduction in crop variety. So again, looking at these answers, 
I can say A and C are probably not the answer because those things don't even seem to be mentioned. It doesn't talk about breeding new kinds specifically, and it doesn't talk about getting more varieties in the grocery store, which leaves me with B and D. So B says basically experts can research new crops, and D mentions the plant breeders, pathologists, and entomologists having disputes that lead to reductions of crops. So again, remember to watch out for answers that just take things from the passage and put them into answers. If we look up at line 78, it specifically mentions plant breeders, pathologists, and entomologists. But just because it mentions them doesn't mean it's the right answer. And it actually turns out to be wrong again here. D is wrong because it doesn't talk about them having disputes that lead to crop failures. It talks about them going to these places to research crops so that they can prevent crop failures. So that leaves B is the right choice. So now we're moving on to questions that deal with both passages. And they're generally questions that either compare or contrast what's going on with these different things. So 18 says, which of the following statements best describes the difference in tone of the two passages? So tone is something you definitely get from the passage overall. And these overall type questions are ones that ideally you don't have to look back at the passage too much to find. Hopefully just by thinking about what you read and thinking about the main points, you can get an idea for what kind of tone, what kind of main purpose the author is looking for. So if we look at these different answers, F says passage A is defensive, passage B is dispassionate. G, passage A is solemn, passage B is optimistic. H says passage A is celebratory, whereas passage B is cautionary. And J, passage A is accusatory, whereas passage B is sentimental. And something that's helpful, especially when you're asked about tone, is just think happy or sad. Happy and sad are pretty easy to identify in written passages. So if you just look back at passage A, maybe you've forgotten it a little bit, there's definitely a happy note to that. It seems happy about the discovery of all these apples. If you look at passage B, there's a little more sadness. It's not totally depressed, but it's it's talking about these food shortages and dealing with that problem. So on number 18, I'd want to pick one of these answers that has a happy passage A and a sad-ish passage B. And if I look through those, H is the one that gives me that where passage A is a celebration of this discovery and passage B is a cautionary tale about our loss of plant diversity. So that's a useful tool at times, is just broadly identifying, is this a happy thing or is this a sad thing? And that can help you point your direction towards the right answer. So then moving on to question 19, it says, compared to the author of passage A, the author of passage B provides more information about the, and then let's look through these, reduction number of apple varieties in North America, that sounds right to me before we look at the other ones because that last paragraph of passage b talks specifically about how we don't have as many apple varieties but let's just look at the others just to be sure you want to avoid falling into the trap of picking an answer that's mostly right rather than all right and a way to do that is to read each answer every time i've had a lot of students that have struggled with picking either a or b because they see that the answer is mostly correct without even reading down to C or D, which has an answer that's entirely correct. So watch out for that, and watch out for those partially correct answers. So then B says, methods Vavilov used to prove to other scientists the apples growing in Tianshan are the ancestors of the modern apple. I don't remember any of that specifically, so I'm not thinking that's a great one. So C says, the number of apple varieties that are thriving in Kazakhstan today. That one could be it. I remember seeing some numbers in passage B. But as I take a quick glance back, in that last paragraph of passage B, it talks about the different varieties. 
But it doesn't specifically talk about Kazakhstan apples. It's talking about apples in North America. So that one's probably not the right answer either. And D, techniques used by researchers to determine the regions with greatest genetic diversity in plants. That one also seems like it could be good because it does talk about the researchers. So again, if I look back, passage B doesn't really talk about the techniques the researchers used. It just talks about the fact that they will go back to these genetic diversity places to do research. It doesn't get into the details very much. So looking at all those, I'll choose A, which is what I originally thought it was, but I've just double-checked here. And this is something, I guess, to take with a grain of salt. Like I talked about in the last episode, the timing is super important on the reading passage. So make sure that you are able to finish, and don't spend too much time on any given question. If a question seems to be taking forever, or if you think you're going to have to reread the whole passage to find the answer, maybe just put down whatever answer seems best in the moment, circle the number of the question, and then go to the end, and then go back to it afterwards. Something you want to do on each reading section is make sure you answer every question on that particular section before going to the next one, that you can kind of skip around within that passage. So for example, if 14 was a hard question, you could put down a guess, circle it, and then keep going, and then after you've answered 20, you would go back and look at 14 if you still had some time left to work on the passage. So you always want to balance your timing moving as quickly as you can, but in general it's better if you can read every single answer choice. It's on to 20, which is the last one here. It says, Passage A quotes Vavilov as saying, I could see with my own eyes that I had stumbled upon the center of origin for the apple. In Passage B, this quote is directly, and then F says, invoked by the passage author as he imagined what Kazakhstan looked like centuries ago. G used to support an argument by USDA scientists, H paraphrased by Salova, and J refuted by Bussi. And I don't remember who Salova and Bussi are, so as I look through passage B, okay, it mentions Salova at the beginning, and Bussi's mentioned at the end when it's talking about all those different apple varieties. So I can say it's not Bussi because that doesn't talk at all about Vavilov's quotation. But if I look at Salova's thing in that first paragraph, the last little bit is a quote by this Salova person, which says that is one reason why he stated that this is probably where the apple was born. And that sounds a lot like a paraphrasal of Vavilov's quote. But just to double check, I'll see if there's any USDA scientists or description by the author of what Kazakhstan looked like. And a quick look tells me that those are not there. It doesn't mention the USDA scientists paraphrasing Vavilov. And there's no part where the author is imagining what Kazakhstan looked like years ago and quoting or invoking Vavilov. So the answer here is H. This quote was paraphrased by Salova. So we reach the end of the passage, and that's how you can approach a social science slash natural science passage. It's fairly straightforward. You can just remember on these two passages, it's generally a little bit more detail-oriented. There will be a little bit less inference and a little bit less reading into what the words could mean because they're a little more factual. So next time I'll talk about a humanities passage and walk you through what that looks like. I'll try to share a few more tips on how to answer these different questions. I hope this episode wasn't too long for you and that it can be helpful as you prepare for the reading section. So as usual, feel free to email me at 36actpodcast at gmail.com. Whether you're interested in setting up some tutoring or whether you'd like to share how this podcast has helped you, or if you have any feedback for me on ways I could improve it, let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys. So thanks again for listening, and I'll 
Talk to you next time.